What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. I'm happy to talk with you this morning. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. If you're new to the show, I'm a multifamily investor, multifamily syndicator. I invest in self-storage as well. And I'm a busy professional, got a day job that I really enjoy doing. And I love making wealth on the side by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Jason Yarusi from Yarusi Holdings. Jason's going to teach us about the multifamily syndication business and what he does to make sure his investors are really right for his business and making sure his business is really right for his investors because it's a two-way street, this multifamily investment thing that we do. So he's got a lot of great lessons in, uh, in that world that he's going to teach us about. We're going to talk about his meetup, he and his wife, Peely, host a very successful meetup in New Jersey where they live, focusing on multifamily investing. So we're going to talk about that as well. And some lessons that he's learned along the way as a successful business person in uh, the, the northern New Jersey area. Thank you for tuning in once again. This is a fun interview. Jason's a really great guy. And uh, he got up early to talk to us this morning. So uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. A little bit more as well in the interview. Without further ado, here we go with Jason Yurusi from Yurusi Holdings. Jason, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. It's like to be here. Happy to talk with you. We had a, a, a bit of a difficulty getting together, and and you're going to tell us all about your family life. But you got three kids, and it sounds like they they keep you plenty busy. So I'm glad we were able to uh, to get you here early in the morning. So for the listeners who don't know who you are, could you tell us about uh, your background and your experience? Sure. Uh, Jason Yerusi of Yerusi Holdings, based here in New Jersey. Uh, we do value-add multifamily properties in the Midwest and Southeast. Uh, currently, we have uh, slightly over 750 units under management. Our focus is really an improvement point focus first, where we want to find that value-add strategy that's not only going to help ourselves and our investors, but it's going to make a community better. And we find we do that and work from the outside in. We just create great product that's able to really benefit people on all sides and come from that need first for who can we help and then help those people, our investors, the community, the people that live there, get everything better where they are. And so real big active on that, uh, real big and active into fitness. Um, we've talked a little bit offline. I do a lot of running. Uh, so you can you know, go over my Instagram. I, I run a lot, a couple hundred miles a month. And uh, cool. that's my core focus. I have three young kids, uh, five, three, and one. Been going through the uh, holiday sickness parade right here, but we're, we're in and out of it. So, so it's, a, it's an ask me tomorrow where we are in it, but psyched to be here, make it happen. Great, great. And we got, we got you. Uh, you also do business uh, you're with your wife, Peely, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sure she's tending to the kids right now as you. Uh, she sure is. <laughs> She sure is. So yeah, we're, we're a husband wife team, uh, which of course spawns a lot of questions. How do you do in a relationship? And it's honesty is that just, it comes down to communication. Um, it's really just making sure that we constantly connect and reconnect. And uh, if things uh, are, are slightly off, it's taking the time to just get point to point and just understand what's happening. So we can both make sure that we're aligning with where our vision is, because there's no reason for us to, to go forward and work to create something if we both have different visions of what we're creating. Nice. Well, that's definitely good. A lot of people can't manage that. Um, so I'd like to 
get into talking about investing in multifamily and you know what you're doing to make sure your investments fit well for your investors because you know we might have as sponsors we might have people come to us and say hey i'm interested in investing in your deals and you talk to them a little bit more and it becomes apparent that it's really not the right fit they're just interested in getting in multifamily but the actual reality of investing in an illiquid real estate investment isn't good for them. It just it just doesn't fit the, with them well, and they might not uh, be the right fit for your business. There, they might be just a bigger headache than you're really uh, <laughs> prepared for. Anything like that. So, you know, let's talk about your process for qualifying your investors for your investment. So, do you have a system or anything like that that you sure. work through? Anything along sure. those lines? Sure. So, so we generally go through. We we call it our our four pillar approach, and Ideally, we want to come from a point of always being able to help the investor. And if we can't do that, then we want to be able to guide them to where it is. Because ultimately, when you talk to the investors, there was a great book I read called Story Brand, and, and they, they labeled it as really the guide and the hero. And, and if you've read it right, so, so you got, we all think of ourselves as Luke Skywalker, but actually in this process, we're Yoda. Because we're helping guide investors. And if I come to an approach to talk to an investor as if I'm Luke Skywalker, well, the, well, the investor ultimately sh shuts off because we all have this human need of, of how is this going to help me eat, sleep, and live? And if it's not something that meets that effect where it's helping me, I'm going to shut off. So if I come here with this magical investment that's the greatest thing on earth and it's, I'm touting my, my great experience and how I can do all this and how I can do all that and how I'm going to make it great, well, people shy away from that because ultimately they're scared because it's not helping them meet that just basic human need of how can I live? How can I sleep? How can I eat? How can I feed my family? So we go from the other side. I, I don't really wait for the investment to happen because I want to talk to investors just to understand these four parts. One, what are they looking for? What are they currently investing in? What are they currently doing? And ultimately you may find that if they're in stocks and bonds and that's what they know and maybe they're looking for portfolio diversification and that's why maybe they're thinking about real estate and it might not even be be multifamily real estate it might just be real estate in general which is fun to talk um maybe they dabbled in some you know they become an accidental landlord or they've done flipping or they've done some other things that that they've tried their hand and, and it's not for them and they really don't want to be active okay so they're looking for passive investments in terms of that passive investments are, are they looking for cash flow are they looking for maybe they're they're a doctor and, and they're getting killed and they're looking for some tax advantages or with of course cost segregation and and bonus depreciation maybe they they have a bunch of investments that are that are kicking off cash flow and you're just getting killed and they want the depreciation that that we do with the studies we do that can help them of course offset some of their tax liabilities so being able to talk to the investors to understand what it is that that they're looking for and and how we can help guide them to the right approach because it may not be me i mean we if if someone's looking for an investment that it has a horizon of of three to six months well as you mentioned offline these are illiquid investments they're they're not made to jump in and jump out like it is um potentially a stock these typically three five seven ten year holds and the investor has to understand that understand why that can benefit them and and there could be of course um two things it's asset-backed real estate but ideally 
it's it's a return structure that's set up for them to benefit and they don't have to constantly jump in and jump out and when they jump out look for the next thing that they can invest in so it allows them to be passive in the environment and get those returns so that that's really the first hurdle is is understanding how we can help them now now the the next hurdle really comes down to me who am i who am i and 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 why am i here talking to them because I, ultimately if even if we have a prior relationship even if we grew up together they may know me from doing many different facets you know um, I, I, a heavy construction company i've run um, opening uh, restaurants opening breweries they may know me in all of those spaces but they don't know me in the multifamily space and if they don't know me at all they have to understand what's my track record because who am i and how am i qualified to talk to them about what we're doing currently and what is my commitment to this because as we said these are three five seven nine year investments so if my track record constantly shows that I don't have sustainability and I don't have consistency and I'm constantly jumping in and jumping out of projects and I don't finish anything. Well, that's not going to be a great story that my investors are going to feel comfortable investing with, with me because this is a commitment. It's five, seven, 10 years that we're going to be partnered, whether you like it or not, we're going to be in a partnership. So you, and that's it. And, and it's not something you really are jumping in and jump out. So make sure they can understand why I'm doing this work. Next is going to be multifamily. Why multifamily? Why are we in this space? What is it about the multifamily space that we really like, that we're bullish on, that we, we delve in? And why are we here doing what we're doing today? And ideally, what is the deals that we're looking for? Because investors need to understand, maybe, maybe they, they've heard about real estate, but they haven't heard about investing in apartment buildings. And if they have, maybe they've thought of just for institutional players, or they just know stocks and bonds, mutual funds, and they, they have no idea about this whole other arena for, for investments. So this might be first time they're hearing this, but imagine all the steps we just did. We just did one through three. Imagine doing that when you need money for an investment. That, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of someone to, to take on so much information. And, and what happens is people would shut down. And that's why commitment rate for, for people when they, they do get a deal for a sponsor that they're going in there and trying to get money and go through all these steps. Cause whether just cause I'm classifying them doesn't mean that everybody's not doing them. Cause ultimately when you come into an investor, you're understanding what they're looking for, um, how you can help them multifamily, the deal and what's the deal you have. And so whether you're doing this before or after that sets up really your, your success rate. Cause I'm leaving them with a deal structure of what we do. So they get the type of properties we're looking for, the value add properties. So depending on the market, maybe uh, we talked Kentucky, 75 to 150 units, uh, BC assets built in 1970 to 2005. Uh, CapEx is gonna be whether it's on the property side or the management side, we look to improve the properties over a five to seven year horizon. And we offer this kind of return structure. And these are the kinds of, kinds of returns that we're looking to hit over that timeline. So they understand. And now they can take that and they can take that away. They, they can allow it to soak in and potentially come back with better questions or they, they, they really are, are into it and we can understand how does this sound? And we can get from that point of saying, great, what kind of investment would you like to make if, if this, we find the opportunity is gonna fit in these parameters? So I don't have that investment, but I, I may leave the conversation where I ultimately am guided that, that they're gonna to look to commit 25, 50, $100,000. Now, there's, there's no commitment made, I don't have a project. So I'm doing all this work before we're actually into even a project. But what happens is two, three, six months down the road, 
we continue to now build our investor database. We, we update them. We send out our newsletter. We let them know what we're working on. Well, we find that deal. And we find that deal that's within that product, 1970s, 2005, BC assets, 75 to 150 units in these sub-markets that, that meet these returns. And we go back to Mr. and Mrs. Investor and we say, hey, listen, we, we found a property that's right in what we talked about. And we'd love to have you on board for the, for the project. And we find our, our success rate is easily over 90% and our raise capacity is generally less than a week, sometimes within a day or two, because we've already done the steps. So I, I'm not coming to them and trying to get them from, you know, the, literally the start line all the way through the finish line with that conversation. We're literally just crossing the finish line. That's all it is. And, and now that I can feel good because I understood how this investment is going to help the investor. I've guided them to what we're doing. So they're able to make a great qualified choice that they've made. So when I come back, it's really just saying, oh yeah, that looks like exactly what we talked about. I was very, I loved it before, love it now, let's do it. Nice. I, there's a lot in there to, uh, to unpack. And I would mention that, that the second recommendation for building a story brand we've gotten on yeah. the show and my copy yeah, just arrived. I haven't read it yet, but yeah, read <laughs> it's it. On it's, my list. it's, it's, you know, uh, it, of course it's made for screenplays. Right. But, but it, it goes down to the, the, just the human dynamic. It's, it's very, um, it's very interesting because we, we do want to be, if our point is always us, what is our point, right? If, if our point is not to really grow and help communities and help others and multifamily is magical. So you can buy investments. Sure. You can get super wealthy, but you can also help your investors get super wealthy, create legacy, create more time for the, in the life for their kids, you know, break away from their jobs or just make a ton of cash flow. But beyond that, you're also making this community where, where there's real people living in these apartment buildings and their, and their families have a better life because you're improving that property. Beyond that, you're, you're bringing jobs to the area because you're creating jobs that maybe didn't exist before because the property was mismanaged. So you're giving people jobs. Now that job is now supporting that person who's not supporting their family. And that's, of course, now rising areas. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So if you're doing that across the board and you think about that and the focus of, of just, you know, buying the apartment building, not just so much of, hey, I'm going to buy an apartment building. That's a celebration. But the impact this, this building could have in a community, it's, it's just mind blowing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think about it from the angle of a lot of these assets that we either look at or end up buying are, like you said, mismanaged and they're mm -hmm. not taken care of. The, the tenants aren't really cared for. Their maintenance issues aren't fixed promptly. And you know, we want them to we want them to want to stay. We want them to, frankly, want to pay more in rent. We want them to want to pay their rent on time because they're so happy to be there. Right. So we want to fix their their, man their maintenance issues quickly and fix the leaks in the roof and all those kinds of things that some other owners don't do. Maybe they, they've owned the property for 40 years and they're just not really taking care of it anymore. Right. Uh, we can do better than that. Yeah, absolutely. Treat them a lot better. I think another big... Uh, kind of area that you touched on there that's that's interesting to me is that your investors might not know you from a multifamily real estate background you're kind of you know forming that relationship or, or transitioning that relationship from one where they know you from either your restaurant background or heavy construction or somewhere else and i'd like to touch on talk more about that and touch on that because i found personally i've had more luck uh or more better results uh, finding investors who are already 
multifamily investors already, you know, meeting them within this space mm -hmm. because they already understand the investment, those kinds of things. Let's talk more about that, your experience there. And, and I don't want to say like selling people on your deals in your business because selling has such a negative connotation sure. undeservedly, but that's difficult, right? To, to transition people who might not already be real estate investors into investing you know, in your deals. You know, it's funny is um, it's, I, I've never thought of that way, but, but I would say like our first investment, like not one person had invested in multifamily before. Wow. And so again, like, sure. Yeah, I understand that. But when you come from a point of like, how can we help you? And like, this is what the investment can do. Then you're not really pitching them. And if your track record serves that you are qualified, you do what you say and you get it done. And, and you really push through and you make it happen. That, that says, so like, so for, for everything else I've done, I put in the work and they know me from that consistency in my track record. So my track record stands on its own and I have a talk. So we, we have some mentees and one guy was like, you know, well, well, I, I, he was like, it, it was, it was way off the cusp, but he was like, well, I, I don't really have experience, but so should I lie about my experience? I was like, well, absolutely not. But let's look at this from the opposite way here is that you don't have experience, but do you? Because you have a, don't you have, you have a restaurant in New York City, correct? That you were with your dad. Now, did you take that restaurant and did you open up a second restaurant? He's like, yes. I say, within those restaurants, do you have employees? Yes. Do those employees have families? Yes. Are you, have you created a business that allows them to flourish and to go home and feed their families, have a place to live? Have you, have you allowed this going from one restaurant to two restaurants and your revenue has been growing year on year out? Yes. Well, I would say, well, that's pretty good track record right there. I, I would think you have a great track record. Look at the growth you've come in. And when you think of it from that approach, but because you know the, the multifamily space, a lot of people are in it right now and your tracker is going to serve on, on how you go full cycle because not it's, it's a new space for a lot of people. So there's a lot of operators out there who have not gone full cycle. And so if you can't go full cycle, so what is your actual track record? You've closed deals. So if you look at it from the point of saying, Okay, but on these other investments, I've seen them through because with any investment, with any opportunity, with any business, there's up days, there's down days. It's like everything in life. And it's how you push through consistently throughout and what you do for those investors. So maybe I had some investors on my other projects. They have a question, am I getting back to them or am I not getting back to them or am I not getting back to them in a timely fashion? That, that is one of the most important things from an operator standpoint is that you set up expectations and then you meet expectations. So we close on a property. There's an email that goes out to, to basically, you know, congratulate investors. We're, we're very excited to have them on board because they're our partners here. We want them to be excited. If they, if they weren't excited going into this opportunity, we prefer them not to be a part of the opportunity. But what we find is I, 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 when we were sending out our monthly updates, I was like, maybe this is going everybody spam, but we were getting zero responses. And so I would actually I actually opened up MailChimp and, and had MailChimp start sending me emails just so I could track the rates. And I started like reaching out to my, uh, some of my friends in the investment, like, Hey, are you guys getting this? They're like, yeah. I'm like, guess any questions? They're like, no. But what we were doing is that we set up the, it's, it's a pretty clear framework. So, Hey, you know, we, we do a little intro to the email. We do a point, Hey, here's the good things that are happening. Here are the things that are not happening to plan. Here's what we're doing to fix those things. Please reach out with questions, send pictures, send updates, pass that within the email. But I've covered it and here's good. Here's the bad. Here's what we're doing to fix it. Next month, 
that's recapping where it is. And with that philosophy of giving them the good, the bad, because ultimately if there's just good coming out, that's never true. So there's something missing, but you give, you give it a point that people understand that if I have an apartment building with 200 people living in it, it's, it there's going to be stuff that happens, right? There, there has to be. And if, and if you're saying there's not, eh, something's missing from the story, but we find for that being clear. And when a question does come across, Hey, uh, here's the answer. Get back to them in a timely fashion. Or if I need to get the answer, I'll be back to you re- with a response by, you know, tomorrow, 10 a.m., whatever's that timeline. And it's either this, tomorrow, 10 a.m., I'm still waiting for this response. I will follow back, you know, at this point, as soon as I have it. Or here's your response. Either which way, I've, I've set up that, I, do, I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Because that, that points for everything. If I, if I can't do something as simple as follow-up or something as simple as um, getting back to you when I say, well, well, how am I doing every other part of the business where I'm supposed to be, you know, talking with the management company or I'm supposed to, you know, be working on this? Well, am I doing that when I'm supposed to be doing it or am I doing something else that doesn't align? So from an operator standpoint, if there's a passive investor saying, do I want to invest with this operator? Well, I mean, how's the response? Because just like anything, people don't, ultimately get better when they get a deal, right? It's not like, oh, they got a deal now. Now they're going to be super responsive and super on it. Whatever they are now is what they're going to be. It's like, I'm, and it's the same thing with raising money. When I find a deal, then I'll raise the money. I'll do all that legwork. Well, could you? Sure. But is it going to be super difficult? And are you going to come from a point where you need money? Yes. So why, why do it that way when you could do it the easy way and actually go out there and see how you can help people and then on that point, then have the money raised. Do the work ahead of time and, and consistently. Yep. And a lot of those things that you said about, you know, following up promptly, things like that, they sound simple and, right. and easy, but, and, and it is simple, but it's not necessarily easy. If it was easy, then everybody would follow up quickly and, and on all that. And it wouldn't even be a point to bring up, but it is absolutely important to, to do and, in any business, of course, but uh, when you're and, taking people's money. And you don't have, I mean, you know, getting back to them promptly doesn't have to be like within five seconds, right? You, you could set that up as that any questions you have, um, we'll be back to you within, you know, with a three hour timeline or, or 24 hour window, you'll, you'll have a response from us. It just people, if you, if you set up expectations, it, it's just when there's no expectations and it's haphazard, that's where you see mis- miscommunication can occur. And then, of course, people being unhappy. Now, I'm going to ask you a, uh, a difficult question that, um, I don't know, might be uncomfortable to answer, but have there been any experiences in your multifamily uh, experience where you didn't live up to that goal and, and you know, maybe something didn't go right or you missed an email? I mean, I'm sure that it has, but mm. does anything stick out in your mind? Because everybody, I mean, we all, every, literally everybody makes mistakes or it doesn't live up to their you know, I, once in a while. I, I think I could talk to just things going out of whack at properties. If you want to talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, so um, we actually had a shooting, not on our property, but, but on neighboring properties and it was affecting our tenant base. And so, cause our, our tenants were getting scared, not an area where there was shooting. So it was like completely out of character, but there was just a, um, it, it was, it was city, basically city owned housing, of course, being mismanaged, nothing happening there, no oversight. Um, and there just happened to be a bunch of people that were living at the property that actually weren't the tenants. So we actually had a vacant unit that was backed up to this because our tenants didn't want building. We're, we're getting scared. And I mean, just 
definitely should. So we ended up, um, I, I called the city, went through a number of stages to actually find a way that we could get in touch with their police department that actually handles all of their city housing. And we actually use that unit basically as a stakeout unit. So, and, and that stakeout uh, unit allowed them to arrest 12 people over three months and basically clean up this whole thing that was causing concern. Not ideal. Of course, I have a unit that's now down for three months that we're not bringing in income. Um, so, of course, the, does that factor in when you're just adding a unit? I mean, it's, it's across 100 units, so it's not killing us. But is the bigger picture better? Is the bigger picture now it's a safer environment? Absolutely out there. But that's something you, you can't pro forma for that. It's not like I can like underwrite for like, oh, we potentially might have a shooting in a city-owned building next door that we're going to go there and take a unit offline and putting in a detective. The detective is going to come in there and do a stakeout for three months. Those are things that are going to happen. Like there's nowhere in my business plan where I would have thought something like that. Um, we've had, <laughs> uh, you know, a random surge in uh, electrical power um, at a building that that it's it was on our properties came our responsibility, but it literally um, blew up six electrical lines underground and took power off for wow. you know and, and that that had a, it really just take took power off for and it was like 12 units or something like that. But you know. Um, cold weather, people are out of power, not a good situation. So just, and that comes down to having the right team, right? Having the right team on board because it was able to, to happen so quickly that within 12 hours it was back online. But if I didn't have the team set up, I didn't have those dynamics and I hadn't worked and done, done the pre-work, that could have been a major disaster. I could be like, oh, who am I gonna call? How many do this? You know, 10 hours on the phone with the utility company trying to figure this out. Um, so there's, there's just things that happen in these investments that are not, a streamline because it, it's it's a living world right that, that you're owning and when you own that living world what can you do to to ultimately do that and so th- those are the things that stand out in mind um i'm good on on investor response so but we we just i generally don't get a lot it's funny and i i, I just really because we set things up and i mean sometimes they have questions they, they have myself they can text me and call me sometimes i'll get texts but it's that simple. You know, I'd rather, rather them text me because generally it's so few and far in between, you know, that all right, I get a text. I'll just text you back. Yeah. And, yeah. Makes it very easy. Another uh, thing that, that I'm aware that you do that uh, I don't think you touched on earlier was your meetup. You host a meetup uh, in your area. And uh, can we talk about that a bit and, and how that has been the results that you've generated for your business and yeah, sure. Either meeting investors or building your deal flow or, or anything like that. I'm always interested in learning what people are doing there. You know, the meetup we did from a point of just saying like, how can we create something to give back? In New Jersey, there's a million meetups, but nothing was really focused on multifamily. Now there's a couple, which is great. You know, more people doing it. But before, you know, every it's it's one week is flipping, the next month is wholesaling. Like so, they would be all over the place. So we said. We're going to create a meetup and just go there and just talk about what we do. We don't know everything, but we know enough to tell people how we've done it, how we've done it successfully. And, you know, I think the first meetup, we we actually had like 40, 50 people. It was like, oh, this is great. And we've grown the community. There's a little over 2,000 members now. Uh, We had it last night, like 100 people and on average for for it. Um, And we went there with no expectations. So it it wasn't like I'm going to do this meetup to find deals or go on a point. But I found that it's created so many relationships it's created i I've, I've raised a ton of money from it it's very interesting and and it gives you another place to be a thought leader and i've had opportunities come across so i actually have an opportunity that we're working on now with um i didn't even think about this but it's an investor that came to my first meetup over two and a half years ago and again 
you have to think about, okay, what, what is the point here? If I can create a community that, that can grow and, and, and really help other people, there'll be benefits, but I, I can't predefine what those benefits are. Like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to get a million dollars. Well, you want the million dollars. So ultimately you're going to come there and every single person you're like, well, how can I get that million dollars? But if you come to a point <laughs> where I just, I go in there and give you everything. And now we bring in some speakers. Like we had a, a super guy talk about underwriting. He was, you know, he's uh, literally, he, he was the underwriter on um, the Stytown deal in New York, which was the biggest, um, you know, repositioning acquisition in, in, in I think, um, the United States history. So it was a major project back when he used to work for Picati. He came in, talked to a group last night. Like, that gives me access to, to a guy like that. And I'm just like, you sit there, you're like, wow, like, like that's pretty badass. But everybody that, who's sitting there in the room listening, I mean, their mind's blown because, because you left that room last night with, with one thing that, that like blew up your business in a good way. And, and I, essentially probably a lot more, but there, I mean, I could point to 10 things in there that were just like, wow, yeah, that was sweet. That was, that was great how he put in there just his perspective. Yeah, and it's fantastic for your for your branding too, because you're standing next to the guy who did the underwriting on this sure. enormous deal, and you're doing big deals yourself, and it's that nice uh, brand alignment. So absolutely, yeah, that's great as well. Yeah, nice. So I mean, that that's fantastic. I mean, I run a meetup myself, so I always like to learn, uh, you know, what other folks are doing and and how it's benefiting you. And I, I like what you said about if you go with go at it with the goal of I need to raise a million dollars, you're going to talk to everybody about, all right, you have my million dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a fantastic way to think about it. So right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Jason, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you've ever made other than your education? Best investment I've ever made other than my education. Oh, that, that's, I, I would say, because it doesn't have to be monetary or do you want it to be monetary? It doesn't have to be monetary. I, I just, my morning routine is, is the best investment I make because it allows me to get up and be ready for my day. And it, it's that reset button, right? Where you're prepared and you're ready to go. And it, so many people in life that they wake up and it's rush downstairs, grab a coffee, brush your teeth, you know, get in a car, just kiss the kids, run out the door, da, 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 and you're just in panic mode from the time you get up. And I've been there. I know it. But that's not how I wanted to live anymore. I wanted to go down there and find myself and be able to give myself that silence and that space in the morning and, and run. And, and, and run gives me that clarity as well. So putting the investment in myself, and I have to do it early. I get up, you know, 4.13 in the morning and I oh. get up. Yeah, it's just, it's, it sounds hard until you just say no negotiations. I heard uh, Jocko, <laughs> Jocko Willick say, uh, of course. I just say, I just say no negotiations. And I was like, that's, that's crazy. So in the morning, if I, if I'm having a, a, a like a session, I just say no, no negotiations and I just get out of bed and that's made it easy now. Right. So, so we're up late with the meetup last night, got home, you know, and for that point, you just get up and do it because that's what needs to get done. And without that, I, I find that if I go and miss that for whatever reason, which I really do, my day is not in alignment and it's not set to succeed the right way. Nice. I mean, for listeners out there, we started recording this at 7 a.m. on uh, Wednesday here, uh, 7 a.m. East, East Coast time. And it sounds like you've been up for quite a while. I already got your 100 mile run in this morning. 
not not the hundreds. I, I wish we'll, we'll do another one coming up there. I'm looking for the next the next uh, race to tackle here. Oh boy, oh man. Yeah. So, do you have a, a quick you know routine you can run down just so we get an idea of what it is that you do in the morning? Sure. So I, I do get up, you know, at that, that four thirteen, I'll get up and really just splash cold water on my face just to give me that point that that like, okay, we're into it, right? Um, we've been doing this thing called seventy five hard, which has a number of things that add on to our morning. Um, we're basically done with seventy five hard. We're on the, the the it's called phase one, but it's the second stage of it. We have like a day left, which is nuts. Uh, but I get up, get down, go down in the morning, have a coffee. I go over there. I do my meditation. I do my affirmations. A lot of it is, uh, you know, taken on on um, how are our, how Elrod savers. Um, I do a quick brain games, then I'll get into doing my run. And from that path, I might read 10 pages first, but I'll get out there and do my run. Generally my, my core run is six miles, get that in, come back out and I'll have that all done, you know, within some time of, of being within the 6am, 6 6.30 mark, six, you know, 40, wherever I am in that mark. And the kids will be on some level of getting up. So I'll spend my time with them, connect with them, connect with my wife, take that moment that we're all just there and my, my intent, my focus is with them. And now I'm ready for my day. Nice. Nice. Wow. That's impressive. It's, uh, it's hard to do. I'm, I'm someone I used to wake up early in the morning and, and go lift, uh, back when I, I worked in an office mm-hmm. lift before going to work. And it is a tough thing to maintain, get yourself out of bed, say no negotiation. I'm, you know, yeah. Going for a run, I'm going to the gym, whatever it is. And I'm like, no, man, I want to lay in bed and keep sleeping. Come on, let's be real. You know, it's that thing where it just I, I everybody has their own routine. Everybody has their level of hard, right? So, so me doing seven days of running a week, like that's what I do. You know, like that's just what I do. And so that's become like my life. That's what I do. But not everybody needs that. I mean, two days a week may be perfect for people, but it's having that consistency of what's a lifestyle where it's not that point of, of starting a routine that you're ultimately, it's just too much to start. And like, we'll see that, you know, in a couple of weeks with New Year's Eve, everybody's going to, oh, I'm going to lose oh, yeah. this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. But you already set yourself up for failure because it's so far from where your mental state is that you can't, can't do that. And it just, I, the transformation is always is that, what can I build a life out of? What can I build from that life? And yeah, sure. There's mornings where, where I want to hang out, but maybe I'll get it all done and come back and, you know, and get back in bed with my wife, depending on what time it is, you know? So like there's, there, there's always that pr- approach, but if you get in there, get it done, it, it becomes your lifestyle. It, it's not so much a, um, a burden as in, this is what I do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I like that. appreciate that. Some to, uh, maybe to work up to don't start yeah. with uh, seven days a week <laughs> on the other side of that. We have the best investment you've ever made. On the other side of that coin, there is the worst investment you ever made. What is the worst investment you ever made? You know, it comes down. Um, I had one investment um, where it was just, it was me and another partner, and they, so we actually had four partners. But he was the lead. I was really just came in there to do assistance for setup, getting the operation going. Um, but we didn't have clear things in writing before. I mean, it was many years ago, and he, he the way he handled it um i wasn't in alignment with and he treated the other two investors in a way that i just absolutely it just it was unacceptable and so we had, we were friends before but we had a falling out because it, you know ultimately there was nothing clearly stated before of how it was going to be happening but it, it, it beyond on paper but but we had a clear communication of what it was and i think it, it 
it's worked on now, but it was, uh, it, it was tougher to start. We came at a point where it was like, um, you know, the recession, it, the power had gone out in New York city it was that year where like you had those dead point. Um, then you had the recession. So there was a number of years that were detracting, but he was so into it. You know, sometimes when you're so into the business, you got someone to stand two feet away from you. They're saying like, Hey dude, all you got to do is do this. Cause like, you're just doing it like super hard, you know, like, like you're making it the hardest way, but you're, when you're so into it, you can't see anything else. Cause you just see what's right in front of you. And we couldn't align and it, and it basically blew up the friendship and you, you just, you, you never want that to happen. But I didn't like how it was, it was ultimately is that if, if this is what you're going to do to other people when times get tough, well then this isn't the right alignment for me. So it, going forward, you always put things down on paper. You always make sure you have clear things in writing, even if it's with family, because you don't want to have a, a conversation with a family member if you're going to work with them in some capacity today and you say, okay, let's go after it. And you're all psyched. And then five years from now, you both look back at that conversation and one heard one thing, one heard the other, and it creates this whole rift. And that's why you see a lot of families you know, fall apart in, in the future because they, they didn't have clear communication when they started something and everybody heard something a little bit differently. Absolutely. That's, I mean, and in the syndication world, that's a whole point of the PPM. It's, Correct. Here's, you know, here's what could go wrong. Here's what's going to happen. And here's what the risk is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have friends invested in my real estate uh, uh, syndication business. And, you know, frankly, I would, I'd rather keep the friendship if, if, if down the road, you know, the friendship were to get damaged or something like that, I would have rather them kept their money in the first place and, yep. you know, keep the friendship than absolutely go wrong. So yep. having that understanding is very important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Uh, focus and clarity is key. You have to, you have to focus and give things time because focus and patience is a big thing, right? Um, especially now with multifamily, with having so many members in a meetup, this, this, this world of, you know, everything's happening. My phone, you know, I'm getting 900 alerts on the phone, you know, Instagram showing these, you know, what looks like overnight successes is that the, the <laughs> point of buying multifamily property, people are like, well, I've tried it a month and I haven't gotten, you know, like a property. It's like, well, you just need to put in the work and the work is creating. I, I know people that, you know, their family got a, a one building like 30, 40 years ago and it's set up the family for like ever. So these are not something where it's flipping, where you may need to do 10, 20, 100 houses a year. These can be very lucrative investments, just one at a time or one or one a year. Or So putting in the work to be focused and being patient is really the most important thing. Nice. I like that. And it's a, it's a hard thing to do, especially with these big investments that take a lot of time. There's a lot of moving pieces. Yep. And a lot of unknowns. And it's hard to put in that work without seeing results, you know, instantly. It's just something that we're we're programmed to to want. I don't know. And we we can't get uh tricked tricked by the people on Instagram, like you said, who maybe go yeah. rent a, a mansion to take pictures or rent a Lambo yeah. to sit on the hood of and then <laughs> just yeah. to fool us. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, Jason, thank you for taking time to talk with us this morning. If folks want to learn more about you, your business, your podcast, anything like that, where can they find you? Sure. They can email me at jason at yarusiholdings.com, Y-A-R-U-S-I, or go to yarusiholdings.com. And from there, they can find Multifamily Foundation. It has a lot of our platforms on it. 
Nice. I've learned a lot by listening to you guys over the years. So I certainly appreciate all of that. And thank you for sharing your experience this morning. And thank you for, uh, I guess you probably woke up much earlier than this this morning, but thank you for waking up this morning and, and you taking got it. time to talk with us. Psyched to be here. Thanks for having me again. Happy to talk with you. I hope everybody in the family, uh, you know, is healthy, all the kids and your wife and everything. And, uh, and everybody's on the mend. Thank you. Tough for us to get together. Uh, because of the, the illnesses, but sounds like everybody's doing all right. And uh, yeah, thanks once again. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds awesome. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's a very big help. If you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. Thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.